Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of an Evolved Review. I'm your host, James Caleb Kitchens, and as always, I am joined by none other than Caleb Stovall, the man who watches more wrestling than anyone alive in any known multiverse. Welcome back to the show, man. It is true, and I don't have to have a Spider-Man reboot to show it. Two, two reboots. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> multiple, multiple reboots. Yeah, man. Uh, so we were out last week. I was at the beach. Um you know, and, and then everything decided to happen. I know, right? Literally everything in wrestling decided to happen. So, uh, you know, on that note, uh, big shout out to the guys over at Tapped Out Wrestling Podcast. They had their five-year uh, anniversary, and to celebrate that, they had their own show. Uh, Hell Freezes Over. I did shoot a uh, little promo for that uh, from uh, Club La Vila. I don't know if you saw that or not. Really? Uh, no, the I see that yeah or the ruins of club la vila rather um and uh yeah so that check that out uh if you want but I, everything that i heard from the show i heard that it was long it was like 10 matches um but everything that i've heard like it was an amazing first attempt i think that uh one of the things those guys are really gonna find out uh or or did find out uh i, I haven't had a chance to talk to nick or myron in depth because i was out of town but the thing that I, I kind of knew they would find out is, like, there's so much more to running a show than anybody can imagine. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that they right now are maybe not even talking about doing it again next year. But I think if they – I haven't listened to the show this week. But, uh, you know, I, I think maybe the itch will come back around and that maybe they'll, you know – uh, that they'll do a second one. I hope they do because I wasn't able to be there. I was out of town, like I said, uh, and I would have loved to have been there. Uh, I have heard some feedback here and there, but I, I definitely am looking forward. The show is going to be released online. Nice. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. And hell, maybe we can review that. Maybe, uh, you know, if we if it hits at a good time when we don't have like a million other things to look at. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'd be so down with that. That That would be a first for us. Yeah. So, uh, speaking of uh, having a million things to look at, uh, a lot of things came up in the last two weeks. We didn't have an episode for you guys last week, so what we're going to do, we're going to do kind of a double header tonight. Uh, we're going to record this one. We're going to do the State of Wrestling, uh, September 2021. Uh, so, we're going to talk about all sorts of things, and then uh, we're going to uh, end this episode. We'll put that up online, and then we are going to review, uh, I think, what may be the most anticipated episode of this season so far. Uh, is the plane ride from hell. In more ways than one is was it anticipated. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've been waiting to talk about this one for over a year now since they first you know, said officially, yes, we are going to do the plane ride from hell. Uh, it's come up on so many podcasts over the years. Um, Conrad kind of tried to get Bruce Pritchard to talk about it a while back, and uh, he didn't get very much out of him, but um, Bruce was not on the flight. Yeah. So that may have something to do with it. He may not have wanted to speak on, you know, secondhand information. So that would make sense. But uh, we're going to talk all about that uh, in, in that episode. So definitely check that out. Uh, yeah. So much I has come out of that episode. I think it's probably the most impactful, uh, you know, on the current wrestling scene uh, episode of Dark Side of the Ring ever. Yeah, I, I was I was gonna say, you know, I mean, we've heard stories and we've heard teases and everything. I did not know though the extent of it. Like at first, I, you know, 
I thought it was going to be like a lighthearted comedy. Almost. Me too. Me and too. then it and then it just took a turn in the episode, and I went, "Oh shit." Yeah, I was thinking that it was going to be an episode absolutely full of like shenanigans and stuff. I did not know that it was going to turn into, well, I mean, it's very accurately called The Plane Ride from Hell. Yeah, literally. Uh, and we'll talk about it on that one. I'm definitely excited to get into that. And and I have, I, I probably, just like a lot of other people, have a lot of mixed emotions coming out of that. Yeah. So speaking of uh, Dark Side of the Ring, um, there is there was an announcement this week that uh, with everything else going on, it, it could have fallen through the cracks, but I'm glad that it did not. Um, this is probably, you know, we talk about like momentous things to happen with AEW as far as momentum and things like that. You know, you have CM Punk, uh, which if there's anything that kind of changed the tide, right, it was that. Uh, and then yeah. Brian Danielson and Adam Cole uh, being the, the icing on top of that whole situation. Yes. Along with others. Um, let me read you this pre- uh, bit from the press release. Okay. Uh, so, all, all Elite Wrestling and the Owen Hart Foundation, a nonprofit charity which provides a vast range of assistance and opportunities to in- individuals in need across the world, are collaborating to honor the legacy of the late wrestler Owen Hart, a beloved figure in the professional wrestling community and beyond. This collaboration includes launching the annual Owen Hart Cup Tournament within AEW, which will see the winner receive a cup known as the Owen, uh, as well as the production and distribution of unique and original Owen Hart merchandise, including specified retail goods, as well as the upcoming, and this is the major exclamation mark on the end of this, the upcoming AEW console video game. Yeah. So, first (laughs) off, Owen Hart has not appeared in a video game since his death. No. Um, or really in anything remotely related to pro wrestling, you know, uh, other than the Dark Side of the Ring episode. There, there's just a lot uh, to unpack here because this is huge. Yeah, dude, it really is, but it's amazing. It is. It is incredible. And a lot of people said, you know, well, this is a direct shot at WWE. And to that, I'm saying, so what? I hope it is because, you know, let's see. uh, Rather than inducting him into the WWE Hall of Fame, let's honor him with not only at a company that didn't kill him, but, you know, let's honor him in a way that his family is comfortable with and that they – that they believe he would have approved of. Yeah, and, you know, you you even heard it in the dark side of the ring. They don't trust WWE. They don't like WWE. And I think what Tony Khan, and not only Tony Khan, you know, obviously Chris Jericho and Jeff Jarrett probably had to have a hand in it and everything like that. Um, You know, the, the... it seemed like at the end of Dark Side of the Ring, I may have brought this up uh, in in the episode. I'm not sure if we I did or not, but it seemed like at the end of that, that Martha Hart was so, you know, obviously, you know, frustrated and pissed off with WWE that she and her kids that like they hated wrestling, and I was right. like, that's not like. 
I get like every time they would talk about wrestling, they would make it seem like Owen was just ready to get out the minute before he started, you know, kind of thing. Like they were, they just wanted to, you know, it, 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 they just did not have anything good to say about it, uh, about wrestling. And I was like, that's really sad because I guarantee you, Owen Hart obviously loved professional wrestling. Yeah, you know? I mean, he loved it, but the thing in the documentary that I think they were trying to really get at was that he would, didn't want to be a lifer, right? Like, he did not want to be a Sting uh, or a Ric Flair or a Hulk Hogan or, you know, uh, uh, Abdullah the Butcher, any, any of these guys uh, who yeah. have, I don't want to say overstayed their welcome because, as, as we'll talk about in a bit, Sting is better than some of the people that are in their primes right now. Uh, at this very moment, uh, you know, like he can, he can go out and wrestle on television in front of 2 million people and then go get the senior citizen discount at Denny's. (laughs) What he can, you know, uh, not, not very many people can do that. I mean, he can, but like my, my whole point was like, it, it, it seemed like they blamed wrestling. Right. What happened. And it's not wrestling's fault. You know, it's WWE's fault. It's right. it's that whole situation, but it's not pro wrestling. A lot of pro wrestlers looked up to Owen Hart. And still you know? do, you know. No. And, I, and I'm sure that, um, you know, I'm sure that Brett and Martha uh, had a lot to do with it. I'm sure that they probably got... Uh, input from probably Jericho and Christian and and several others. Uh, CM Punk gave his thoughts on it. And the thing is, you know, uh, I'm sure we both on our social media have a lot of people from the independent scene. And it was uh, really amazing to me at like the outpouring of support for this. And a lot of people see this as just as big of a, of a deal as CM Punk coming in, certainly not for the ratings um, but just kind of what it means for the company, uh, because really AEW is the first threat to WWE since WCW. Oh, uh, n- 100%. No offense to Impact, right? But uh, AEW, right. I mean, AEW from a pay-per-view buy rate stance, uh, the very best uh, TNA pay-per-view in history did not do as well as some of the worst AEW buy rates. Yeah, in their entire run. Yeah, no, no, no. It, 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 Jeff Jarrett's even said this, like you know, our his pay per view buy rates uh, were not good and everything like that at times. But no, I, I, I mean, I agree. This is a big, this is a big move, and I can tell you one of the instances where a lot of all of this comes into play, and it's, and it might come across the wrong way, but. It truly is when you've heard almost everyone say this. It was the Brody Lee situation. That think, was what did it for a lot of people because CM Punk and Brian Danielson both saw that and they were like, "Oh my God, that's that's amazing what they did for him." Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, I mean, it's just about respect across the board. Uh, I was reading an article today. It was an interview with Mike Kyoto, which I'm surprised, honestly, that he's not in a little bit of hot water. We'll talk about that on the next episode. Um, Because some of the stuff he said in that episode was kind of borderline 
you know. But uh, Mike Kyoto was talking about how with WWE, some of the refs are, they have dual roles. So they're on the crew, so they come and they set up. And then they also ref the show. And those refs make a bit extra for, for being on the crew. And they get lodging paid for. But for the referees, that, that's their only job there. Apparently, their, their travel is not covered. Apparently not. And, and that, to me, was, it was just like, I mean, you're, you're a company that's a multi-billion dollar company. You're, you have just, you know, these past three years, you have seen record profits. And you're going to treat your talent this badly. And, and don't get me wrong, when there was no alternative whatsoever, I, I guess I understand it. If you're a sleazy promoter, uh, like Vince McMahon is that you would just treat your employees like dog shit because they have nowhere to go. But he wasn't doing that shit when WCW was an option. Not to this extent. No. He, you know, but, uh, you know, it, it's just like, at some point they're going to have to change game, gears. When you're the only game in town, who's going to argue with you? Right. At some point this shit's going to have to change gears because I'm telling you, there's only so long that everybody can hear that it's better on the other side. I mean, I think that in their eyes, they're trying to turn things around, but they're really not. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, let's 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 take uh, Rick Steiner's kid. Let's not put the Steiner name on him so that he doesn't have any name recognition whatsoever, and yeah. let's immediately push him to the moon on NXT. Uh, yeah. Uh, let me tell you, when he comes out. When he inevitably beats uh, Tommaso Ciampa, which will be soon, it will be very soon, I promise, people will be livid. Probably. Um, you know, I, I, I was wondering, what is your take on the Skittles relaunch? You know, NXT, Taste the Rainbow. You know, I, I once considered myself a big fan of what NXT was doing. I even at one point liked NXT a lot better than what AEW was doing. But I can't even fathom that now. I mean, it's like, I, I look at, I read results from NXT, right? And it's just like, how is this the same product? You know? Uh, you look at like uh, Velveteen Dream. They take, that guy, if you'd have told me, what, two years ago, maybe three years ago, that Velveteen Dream would be watered down, watered down to the point that he is now. I would have been like, there's no way they're going to botch it that hard. I didn't but, even realize he was still on the program. Right. Yeah, he's barely on the program. And, and I'm just like, this guy should have been the guy. Because he's got the... I mean, now that Adam Cole is gone, I don't know that there's anybody else there that has it you know that has the it factor that has everything the full combo i mean uh champa's got the look the physicality he can cut the promo but he doesn't have the charisma no right and not not to be the guy now I'm, he could he could do very well there the only other guy i could see being the guy would be pete doom yeah and i mean even he's got I think he might have a, a hard time appealing to like a general audience in some instances, but I agree with you. I think he is a charismatic guy. He's got a unique look. Um, 
we talked about this a lot as far as like Stone Cold or like James Drake. Um, he's he's real, you know. Um, you even if you know if you're if you're just an average person and you know that wrestling is completely fake, you watch him and you wonder, well, I I don't think this guy's I don't think anybody told this guy, you know. Yeah, yeah, and 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 that's the whole point. Uh, I well, I say it because I know. Um, <laughs> I know some girls that watch uh, wrestling, and they're all like, Pete Dunn's hot. So I was like, well, <laughs> there's half the battle win right there. <laughs> well, if we're going to go off of that, Randy Orton is the greatest superstar of all time. Well, yeah. <laughs> all, all the ladies like Randy Orton. They, they, they do. They do. I'm, I'm just like, well, he thanks you, because that's the only reason he's got a job, because he has been boring <laughs> for a over a decade. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I, I heard this about NXT, and I'll just be honest. Y- yes, I consume more wrestling content, but it is not current WWE content. That's it, for It's God. awful. Yeah, I, I, I can't do it. I, I don't like anything that they're doing. But I heard that NXT now is going to be edgier, and it's more attitude error. What? It's not. Uh, all all they have done is they have taken what, what we once loved as NXT, which was a a multi-million dollar indie show, right? It was just, it was an indie show with a steady roster and, and all the production value that goes with being under the WWE umbrella. And now it is just another two hours of Raw and SmackDown (laughs) with different talent. Okay. And that's, that's where we are. That sounds about right. And, uh, you know, I, I don't understand that mindset of WWE where everything, I guess, I don't know if in their, if in their eyes they think every show looks different to them or if they do it on purpose. I, like, I, I can't figure it out. I, I feel like we spent an incredible amount of time talking about this exact subject for, like, several months and I think all of the wrestling world is talking about this exact subject which is like the comparisons between AEW and WWE have become so ludicrous because I mean it's to the point now it like once upon a time right it was like well okay you might have better wrestling than WWE but nobody's going to match their production value oh wait uh AEW's production value is better than theirs they're yeah. set the set, uh, we'll talk about this, but the set this week on Dynamite was incredible. I knew incredible. you were going to love that. It was incredible, yeah. I mean, you know, I love a good wrestling set, and I think WWE's have been boring and predictable for quite some time. They just add more screens, yeah. right? Um, That's all they do. And and WWE does those horrible fucking CG overlays that everyone hates and no one asked for, and you can't see them live because they're fucking done... I mean, they're done live, but they're done in post. Um, And it's like, everyone hates this, man. Why are you guys doing this stuff? It's, you know. I've never understood that. That, From day one, I've never understood that. I'm just like, that is the stupidest thing. Like, and and it's overkill. Because I get, I get, I get what it's from. It's from when uh, the NFL and like, hockey or, or sports in general, you know, when they get this shot on the field where you get the stats of everything. Yeah. That's kind of what they're trying to do, except they overdo it. 
Right, because it's WWE. And doing things in moderation is not their forte. I mean, you know, that we were convinced they were going to make Titus O'Neil's gimmick that he slips and falls for a while. And I'm honestly, I'm still shocked that they didn't do it. Well, they tried to. They did. They, well, let, it, they let it go for like two weeks. But I, yeah. I thought we were looking at like a year plus of this. I, I, so. I, I definitely thought so too. But I mean, you know, just can someone act normal in WWE? Like, no. can anybody, what, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock and hell, let's even give him his credit. Triple H back in the day, they were badasses. That was what made them appealing to the audience is Stone Cold was a walking badass. Where is that badass in WWE? And that brings me to a, a, a point that I wanted to make on this episode, right? Here's the reason, in my opinion, th this could be from what I have observed. Maybe people agree with me on this. Maybe they don't. But here's what I've noticed, all right? WWE and, unfortunately, Ring of Honor they do not have anything worth following right, right now to the point where everyone wants to see what's going to happen next. Right. They don't have that. AEW obviously is the top right now at that. But you even throw in like NWA has got stuff that people are interested in. Right. MLW has got stuff people are interested in and stuff, you know, they're doing their big relaunch and they're being picked up by vice. So they've got some interest going on uh, new Japan pro wrestling. You know, they, they've had people from day one, even though the bullet club basically left, they still have maintained their momentum and stuff like that. Ring of honor. I noticed this. I love them to death and I still support them in ways but there's, I, I looked at it and I was like, there is nothing on this TV show worth watching, like right. worth following. Same thing with WWE. There's nothing worth following. You had something worth following and then you let it go away for 18 months, which was, you know, not under your control. But then when she comes back, you immediately turn her heel and kill all of that. Yeah, I mean, people were invested in Bianca Belair's title run too. Yeah, um, and they they ruined that. Um, they uh, we could talk about this for a second. They put the belts on Big E for a pop, and that's it for for a ratings pop that they didn't even really get. And it no. was so bad because they had him. You know, you you can't do a Money in the Bank cash in spontaneously for a ratings bump because people, by the time people hear about it, it's already over. So they had Big E go on Twitter and be like, hey, I'm going to cash in the briefcase tonight. Why would you do that? That makes no sense. You lose the advantage of having the briefcase. I did not know that he uh, sent that tweet out. Yeah, of course he did because it, it, was, it was purely done for publicity. And while I think everybody knows that like Big E deserved that long before now. But yeah, um, it doesn't mean anything because there was no build to it. They're not gonna. They're not gonna. He's not gonna have a good run because I mean, tell me, when's the last time somebody in WWE 
had a good title run. Other than the AJ? Correct. There you go. Uh, yeah, and that was what, three years ago? Maybe more? Yeah, probably something like that. Other than AJ, though, no one has had a, a pretty good uh, title run and everything like that. But, um, and, and here was the thing, uh, you know, I understand the cash in the money in the bank is supposed to be uh, spontaneous and everything. But here's how minuscule it obviously is. Right after he cashes in, the very next week, guess who comes out to challenge him? Roman Reigns. Of course. And you know that Roman's gonna gonna beat him. He already beat him in a triple threat match. He beat both Lashley and uh Big E. See, I don't even follow it enough. I knew that they did that match at the house show in Augusta when they were there. No, they did it on the Madison Square Garden Great. uh episode. One of them. I, yeah. I I swear to God they did. If I'm if I'm wrong, folks, I'm sorry. I've been wrong in the past about no, something. No. Where no, I you're see. probably right because that's what WWE does uh, when they do house shows, when they do the rounds like that, is they, if they're going to have a pay-per-view match between Roman Reigns and, and, and Big E, then that's the match they'll run at the house shows. <laughs> right. Because their, their idea, like, I guess they think that it's going to build chemistry between the two people. But all it does is it just they just get into the motions of the matches, and then they're just running through it, and it's evident. Yeah, I mean it's 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 evident from the start. And here's the thing, WWE, I don't know if they realize this. Maybe they care. Maybe they don't. I don't know. But there's obviously some other people in that company right now. They're looking at what Adam Cole. And Brian Danielson and CM Punk just did, and Malachi Black as well, and they're going, hmm, I'd like to go over there and try that. Hopefully it's some of the women. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, I, I, I want to say this, and, and then we can move on. It's almost wasting our breath to criticize WWE, right? And, and, right. and the whole wrestling world is doing it. But here's the thing. They could not give a single shit. There's no, like... It, it would be like walking up to somebody who doesn't give a single shit about like their job and be like, yeah, man, you're not doing a great there. They'd be like, I don't care. I'm trying to get the fuck out of here. Like that's basically what WWE is at this point in time is they, there's no care whatsoever in the quality of the product that they're putting out. You can't even really criticize it because even if, there, even if Bruce Pritchard was sitting here in the room with me, I'd be like, dude, you know that no one fucking likes Monday Night Raw, right? You know it fucking sucks. And he'd be like, well, we're getting paid. And like that would be it. Like All they care about is that they turn fucking seven hours a week of mindless fucking content over to NBC or USA or whoever the fuck is paying their bills this week. Right. And that's it. That's all they care about. And, and, and there's no quality, like, there is no pride in the work at all. They don't give a shit. And, and, and obviously, um, I, I can see that and everything, but I hate it when people say that as well, that they don't care because it makes it also sound like the talent doesn't care. And we know that's not the case because you tell the talent to do anything, they're going to go out there and do it. Oh, I think some of the talent cares, but I also think, I'm, I think a, a majority of them have to be looking at AEW like, 
I mean, really? Can can I go over there? Because, you know, they, they just... I, I can't remember who talked about this recently, but for the first time... It, oh, it was Mick Foley. We're in this position where a young and up-and-coming wrestler who wants to make a career out of it. Once upon a time, everybody wanted, it was like, I got to get on WrestleMania. That's how I know I've truly made it. Yeah. Now, I don't think that's, I, I, I don't think anybody who's right. in love with professional wrestling wants to go to WWE and get it kicked out of them every day. Yeah. No, uh-uh. They, they don't. They obviously, they have seen, uh, you know, how people feel in AEW, but it's not just AEW as well the momentum that aew has right now that's obviously why but they're also they they can look at other places and be like okay well i you know i'm not just gonna make 50 bucks you know or i'm not just gonna make anything you know you can actually go other places and make money and we've we haven't had that for like 20 years right that's the problem and and, and that's what i've always said obviously but you know now with this forbidden door thing and you know everyone working together and stuff like that now you've got more options now you've got more places you can go to get discovered we just launched actually uh here in atlanta i don't know if you noticed this but on peach tree tv one of the stations that i help uh run on master control we just had championship wrestling from Atlanta. Yep. Uh, the, the tapings for that were happened to be the same night as dragon con wrestling. So that is why I was not there, but I looked at the poster and it looked incredible. Interesting to see how that goes, because I know one of the major, well, the major sponsor for that, uh, recently spent like, I want to say over a hundred grand on a ad campaign that was all f centered around one nature boy, Ric Flair. So they're going to have to pull that shit. Uh, but moving on, uh, you know, we're talking yeah. about the, the momentum of AEW right now. Yeah. Uh, and they have announced just today that uh, Rampage will be staying on TNT on Friday nights, uh -huh. but they're going to be promoting Dynamite to the main station of TBS. And that is going to start in January because uh, Dynamite has been the number one in the ratings on Wednesday nights consistently. As a matter of fact, uh, this past week, or this week rather, um, it actually was, I think, the number three most viewed episode of Dynamite. That's amazing uh, because they really hit a home run with that Grand Slam episode. Um, and, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Before we go on to that, though, do you agree with my theory, though, that, you know, not just WWE, but also Ring of Honor, who you know I've been rooting for, and, and I tried to even push on this program, you know, us doing the pure tournament and everything like that. But I looked at it, and I was like, there's nothing to follow. There's Dude, nothing to get excited about Ring of Honor. If you go on, uh, I think it was Fight, and you watch those episodes we reviewed or look at our coverage of them and then you go and watch it today it's the exact same shit that we were that was going on at the time of the pure tournament basically it's basically um nothing's really changed nothing's really happened 
They had Bandito win the uh, ROH world title, but that hasn't really gone anywhere. And I thought that they were going to get some big momentum with the EC3 acquisition. That really hasn't done anything. Because to me, they don't know how to book in Ring of Honor right now. I think Caprice Coleman, either, either he's freelance for them now, or he renegotiated his deal with them. Because he's wrestling on the indies. He's the AML champion right now. And, yeah. and, and, and I know 100% that his deal before, the, before the, like uh, this past year was exclusive with them. He could not work anywhere else. I, I, I don't know. I, and here's the thing. I, I, I go back to why Ring of Honor is struggling, and it really has to come down with a few things. Obviously, the Bucks, Cody, and literally half of their talent roster was taken by AEW. Uh, that's obviously first and foremost. Their partnership with New Japan disappeared, and they squandered. I mean, they literally shit the bed on their uh, Madison Square Garden show, right. in my opinion. Now, the show overall at Madison Square Garden was good, but that was thanks to New Japan's uh, portion. Ring of Honor, like, no one left talking about. And, and that is kind of the thing, too, is, you know, we talked about this before. Momentum is so hard once it's going against you to get it back. I mean, getting you in the first place is lightning in a bottle. But if it's going against you and you're trying to reverse course on that, nearly impossible. WWE is going to find that out eventually when, because all this stuff hasn't started to hit their bottom line yet, but it will. It will. It, it, when people continuously are pouring away from them, and when Dynamite is beating Raw in the key demographics, not it's not NXT anymore. Um, you know now it's now it's Raw that they're beating, and you know especially like people who are fans of NXT. Uh, Cornette talked about this a few weeks ago. You know if you've been watching NXT and you like Adam Cole, Adam Cole's still on Wednesday nights. NXT isn't, and that's a that's a huge thing, man. You know radically transforming your show uh, of your of your like diehard loyalists because if you look at Monday Night Raw right that's all only wrestling on on Monday night is Raw yeah if you go and look at the ratings for NXT versus the ratings for Dynamite the people who were watching NXT instead of Dynamite those are hardcore NXT fans so instead of improving that product and moving it back to another night so you can get the rest of the audience back we're going to radically change it and make it about the shows that nobody gives a shit about, that these fans are watching NXT to get away from. Yeah. And where do you think those people are going to go? They're not going to start watching the new shit. They're not going to start watching SmackDown. They're going to go start watching AEW. Yeah, yeah. basically. I And it, it's so funny to me because WWE keeps driving their own fans to AEW. Right. That's what's so ironic about it. It's yeah. like, dude, if y'all would like to stop the bleeding, stop freaking cutting yourselves. It's not gonna, it's not gonna come to a head for WWE until they get to the point where they have to renegotiate one of these TV deals, and the ratings are what they are, and then it's gonna start hitting them. Well, luckily for them, they don't have to worry about those TV negotiations for a long time. That's true. And that's probably why they made sure that was a thing. 
Yeah. Um, why they sign instead of like like I think it was around 2011 or 12. That was when like they signed like a 15 year deal with uh Universal basically. Right. But whoever uh the I mean, now known as the Peacock, but yeah, like they signed like a 15 year deal and then yeah. SmackDown at least has been signed for 10 years or so. They don't like, I'll say that about WWE when they negotiate things, it's not for a one year or two year thing. Like they make sure that they've got, you know, a good cushion. Well, and that's the thing too, is that, you know, everybody knows that they signed a three-year deal for the uh, Peacock integration. Uh, but everybody knows that at the end of that three years, there's an almost 0% chance that they're going to pull all of that content out and start the network back up. It's oh, not yeah. going to happen. Either no. they're going to renegotiate a new deal for a bunch of money with NBC, or NBC is going to buy them. Now, uh, there's an off chance that the deal falls through, but if it does, it's not going to be on WWE's end. It's going to be on NBC's end. NBC is going to be like, we don't want this shit. Uh, I guess it really just depends on how much content they can drive into the Peacock. But, you know, WWE kind of has them over a barrel right now because they're, you know, WWE is putting out seven hours of content every week. Even if the content is shit, it doesn't matter. There's no new content on Peacock, really, because they don't have any shows for it. So, you know, they're, they're desperate for new content, and that's why the deal's there in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and now they've got a, uh, almost all of the content of WWE uh, Network on there now. So, um, you know, I, but they also have their, obviously, they, they do have a lot more, though, than you think. Uh, they, they do have a lot of shows. I don't know if, you know, people necessarily watch them like they'd like them to or something like that, but they have a lot of shows on there. They, well, they, I know they have a lot of shows, but I'm talking about how many shows do they have that are running right now and they're, they're not on regular NBC because you can get NBC, you can hook up an antenna and get NBC. Everybody with cable has NBC. But I'm talking about, like, it, you have to subscribe to Peacock to get this show. I don't think they have a lot of those. They do. They have uh, they, they have uh, a couple of shows right now. Actually, they have um, several shows. They have the Saved by the Bell reboot. They had um, some other things I, I, I know. I don't know them, like, off the top of my head. But you can also subscribe to the Peacock Network and you can watch NBC live on there. Yeah, that's you true. You don't even need to have that. And that, that is a, a plus. That is a major plus for them. So I will give them that. Um, uh, before we wrap up, let's talk about this week's episode of Dynamite. This was a big deal. Um, this was the, uh, the Grand Slam event, part one of the Grand Slam event. Part two is going to be a rampage uh this friday night uh and that's going to be another uh this going to be another two-hour event special two-hour event and yeah. all of this is in new york it's a uh sold out uh event it's not madison square garden it's arthur ash stadium um it and it's not matter <laughs> no uh, as a matter of fact it was completely sold out yeah. um 
And, and, and the thing about that too is uh, vaccinations are 100% required for this too. So even given that, they still 100% sold out the venue. WWE has not done that for a non-pay-per-view event. I don't even know when the last time, man. I mean, uh, I don't remember either because they always have sections of their thing, te- you know, tarped off. Yeah, I, there's a had that. There, there's an episode. Uh, let's see. So it's at the end of November, beginning of December. So like last week in November, first week of December, WWE is running, and then AEW is running the same venue a week later. And if you look at the ticket sales right now, all of everything except the far upper levels of AEW is is sold out. WWE, you can still get shit like almost ringside. It's yeah. embarrassing how many seats are left. There's just yeah. no momentum. Um, There's nothing worth going to pay your hard-earned money at WWE to see. And wasting your time, because this is going to be the same shit you see every week on TV. Exactly. But with AEW, it's like now they've created that situation that Eric Bischoff loves, which is what's going to happen next. Exactly. And Um, it's not even even who's going to come over next, because you can create that anytime. But it's also just their stories they've got rivalries and matches and stuff that people are actually interested in seeing right yeah i I agree um speaking of uh let's talk about the match they opened the show with um Mm -hmm. before we get into the match itself now having seen the entire show do you agree with their decision to open with this Uh, I guess for the outcome of it, I mean, I, I didn't think anything of it either way. Like it didn't bother me whether it opened the show or closed the show. I agree though with the outcome with it, because I don't think either man looked bad and I don't think it was a shit ending or anything like that. I think they created the anticipation of, of, because you know, here, here's the thing, right? Let's let's use a football analogy, right? Georgia and Alabama rarely play each other, right? The only times that they really do is almost every every four years they play each other in a regular season game, and then um, and and then the only time that you would see that is in like the SEC championship or hell even the national championship because that actually happened. And um, the thing is though, is just because they see it one time, you know, they see it one time, but then they're kind of like, well, now I want to see it again. And to me, that's what they've done with Brian Danielson and uh, Omega here. Is it's like, okay, I saw it here. Now I want to see it again and even bigger. Typically, I'm against this type of finish uh, that's like a time limit draw because WWE has become so it, it's it, you know you watch a pay per view and every other match is a a, a DQ or a, a you know no contest or a time limit draw or you know whatever it's 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 the fifty fifty booking nonsense. AEW never does that. They always give you a winner, right? Yeah. And it's and it's usually a clear winner. It's either a dirty finish or 
you know, it's a clean cut win. This was like the really the first time they've done this with a match this big. And that's why it felt so unique because it doesn't happen all the time. It almost never happens. Um, I thought the match itself was fantastic. I loved it. And I, I, I was wondering if you were going to say that because I was like, there's no way he's going to give, he's going to shit on Omega somehow. No, I mean, I, o- Omega did good. Like, I, I, I mean, I still don't like him, right? I mean, there's, here, here's the thing, right? If you watch this match, Brian Anderson called the match. He did. Because if you look at the pacing of the match, it's not Kenny Omega pacing. Kenny didn't try to do any dumb shit that he can't do. There was very little shaking and finger pointing and making stupid faces. The match was serious. This was a Brian Danielson match. Ken, here's the thing. You know, I'm learning about Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega can hang with anybody. But if if Kenny Omega is going to have a Kenny Omega match and you're along for the ride, you are in fucking trouble if you ever want to be taken seriously again. And that's that's the problem. Uh, if you look at Okada, Okada was having absolutely stellar matches before Omega and after Omega. He's, and he still is. Uh, if you look at Omega after he came to the United States for the first year of AEW, he shit the bed every night. Um... Did I think this match was amazing? Yes. Was it as good as Punk and Darby? No. No, no, no. I, I, I agree. I, I was having that conversation with someone else. I agree completely that Darby and uh, CM Punk definitely takes the cake right now for match of the year. But this matchup, though, dude, I mean, literally, I have never, I have not seen this since Goldberg versus Hogan. All right? Yeah. I have not seen... When the bell rang, the audience popped. They right. it, it went ding, ding, and they went, yay! And, and they, they popped for a lockup. Yeah, that, that, that was what I was going to say next. Then they went for a lockup, and they got even louder. Like, they were trying to do the whole, you know, back him into a corner, then hit him. And they were trying to do that, and Danielson was trying to do that with the kick, and you can't hear them because the crowd is just so freaking fired up. Right. Like, Yeah, I mean, they popped for everything on, in this. Oh, the crowd was on their feet for literally everything, and I haven't seen that in 20 years. We, we saw that. We, we covered that a lot with, like, the all-out pay-per-view. You know, that, that's why that pay-per-view was just so good. And real quick, before we go on, you as a production dude, how about the stage lighting up the ramp? The The entire set for this was incredible. I mean, it was one of the best wrestling sets that I've seen in a very long time. And when I first saw it, I was like, man, that's, that is like really, really like just top tier. Uh, you know, uh, when Malachi Black came out later on, his entrance was perfect. They did such a good job with it. Oh they, God. They've it been is. doing a great job with it a lot. It's it's Undertaker-esque, right? It's, it, it, it takes cues from Finn Balor and from Undertaker, but it's just unique enough to where you don't think, okay, that's just, he's ripping these guys off, right? No, because, because I've said this, uh, it, for a while now, I thought Tommy N was his own thing. You know, right. like 
he's obviously he has those Undertaker like qualities, but I can tell you how Tommy in pulls it off because he like me listens to a lot of metal. Now he probably listens to a lot more black metal and death metal. Uh, he probably listens to like a lot of uh, death core and hardcore as well, but like he listens to all that. So then you put those kind of elements into your character. That's why you come off across that way. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, I, I think he's his own thing. Before we move on, though, I do want to point out that uh, I I still hate Excalibur's uh, commentary. Uh, I I noticed that they have changed it up a bit. Like that he's doing a lot of the play by play now. Like because he knows the names of all these like ridiculous moves that Jr. doesn't know. So he'll right. call the move, and then Jr. will uh, talk about the like emotion of the match, and then Shivani will like come back with something. And I think yes, that that right. works. Yes, like one of the best lines of the night was when they were they were going back and forth. Omega and Danielson and Tony Giovanni just goes, "Boy, these guys are just kicking each other's ass right now." Yeah, they did a great job with that. Um, what I really, you know, one point in the match, it was when um, Omega hit the dragon suplex on uh, Danielson, uh-huh. and and Excalibur's like. That ramp is 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 plexiglass. It's and then he realizes that plexiglass isn't hard. And then he's like on top of a, a LCD screen. And then he realizes that that doesn't sound like it's a hard thing either. And he's like, and that's on top of some scaffolding. And you know, he's he's like, what I'm trying to say is it's really hard. And I was just like, oh my god, man, just wrap it up, dude. That that was hilarious to me. I agree. I mean, you know, I, I, I think that there's a lot better announcers than Excalibur. He's grown on me. I, you know, Same. It, He's better it, than like, he was. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that just comes with, you know, time and each other really figuring out what what it is everyone was doing exactly. Because I, I would always get pissed that he would talk over Jr. Right. And I was just like, I was just like, oh my god, just let Jr. be Jr. And then, I, and then, kind of as I thought about it and listening to Jr. on his podcast, he really doesn't know like a lot of the modern stuff. <laughs> he can't really keep up with some of that stuff. Right, but the thing is, here's the thing about that. There's this, there's a section of these hardcore like AEW marks that think they know what they're talking about when it comes to wrestling. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to be like this old man, like, get off my lawn with your new age wrestling shit, you know, because <laughs> uh, I ha- always hated those people, right? But, yeah. you know, if you watched All Out and you thought that the cage match was the best match, get the fuck out of here. No, and, no. <laughs> and, and, and there is a subset of those people, and those people hate JR, and I'm like, that's because you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah, um, yeah. Jr. has been in the wrestling business longer than you've been alive. You know. Yeah, no, I I agree completely on that. What what I always I, and I still maintain this: if they're gonna have Rampage, and they're going to have Excalibur as the main announcer for that, then to me, it's as simple as then just have it be Jr. and Tony Schiavone for Dynamite. Because here's the thing. JR might not be able to keep up, but I have seen Tony Schiavone in MLW call matches like that as well, and he's been able to keep up with it fine. 
He might not know move for move sometimes, but he still sounds like he did back in WCW. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, it's... These are the same people that, you know, had to join MJF in Googling who Juventud Guerrero was, right? Like, and I I really appreciate that AEW, to an extent, tries now to lean away from that fan base because what they were doing for a long time is they were leaning into it. And that's when the show sucked. That's when we were getting fucking Chris Jericho versus Orange Cassidy in a fucking orange juice pool. Like, when we were getting all, just all this dumb shit, the exploding sparkler ring, and now that Tony <laughs> Khan is booking, now that Tony Khan is booking and not the fucking executive vice presidents, what'd miraculously. You what'd you just say? Now that Tony, Tony Khan, Khan is booking. Uh-huh. Yeah, you didn't, were you not aware of this? No, no, no. See, I, I, I knew that, but I didn't know if you knew that. No, I know, because in the beginning... The, they had divided everything up. Jericho was booking his own shit. Cody Rhodes was booking his own shit. The tag division was being booked by the Young Bucks. And the women's division was being booked by Kenny fucking Omega, which is why it was terrible as shit and it still is. Uh, and now you can very clearly see once Tony Khan took over the booking. No, no, yeah, I can definitely... He took over the booking. To me, he took it over after Revolution. Yep. When, when when that fucking exploding sparkler ring bullshit happened. He was like, no. And here's the thing. He's been asked about that, and he and they asked him, they said, are you going to try the exploding ring again? Or uh, not, not the exploding ring, but the barbed wire um, explosion match. And he's like, yes, I am going to try it again, but this time I'm not doing it with... Uh, pyrotechnic guys i'm gonna do it with wrestling guys or something like that like this time we're gonna make sure it goes right you like like you're gonna get a big explosion this time yeah i mean the in the history of wrestlers as bookers it's bad all the way around there's not like either either you wrestle and then you realize that you're better in the backstage and then you go and do that, and that's fine. But if you're like an active wrestler, or you wrestled for 40 years, and now all of a sudden you want to be a booker, that shit doesn't jive. There's a reason that there's two separate roles. Because a lot of times, uh, and you know, there, and there's nothing wrong with this, a lot of times wrestlers are not good at seeing the big picture. They, they have a small picture mentality. Because they're thinking about, what moves am I going to do? What, what am I going to do in my match? Is this going to get over? Is that going to get over? And they're not thinking about, okay, um, the match before me did this, this, and this. So I should be completely different than that. The match after me has this guy and this guy in it. They're going to do this sort of style. So maybe we shouldn't do anything that they're going to do. How can I make my match stand out on the card? Like, that's not the kind of thing. If I had a... Anytime I ever have a wrestler come up to me and talk to me about something like that, I immediately gain a ton of respect for that person. Because it's so incredibly rare. I recently saw a show where the exact same move combination was mo- was used in two different matches. The crowd actually chanted, we just saw this. I mean, it, it, <laughs> happens, it happens in the indies. It, it happens in the majors. Yeah. It just does. So Tony Khan is a guy who can sit back and look at the entire product. And 
since he took over the booking, it's like I said, it's it's like day and night, and the ratings, you know, prove that. Yes, uh, I, I was gonna say that. Like to me, ever since they went on the road, that was when, or when when they went back on the road and they started gaining back fans. That yeah. was when the booking started to become better. And I don't know if it was just because of the fans being there. I don't know. Like to me, you know, we, we were saying that Tony Khan needed to come in and take over. Well, he definitely did that because you can tell the Bucks are not booking a lot. Now you can tell that Jericho's not really booking his own stuff. That's being done by someone else. And, you know, Cody's not doing, and, you know, there were reports, and Cody even kind of said this in his promo, uh, that, you know, him and the Bucks and Omega had some problems. And I think Tony Khan came in and was like, okay, well, since you guys can't come to an agreement, guess whose company it is? Mine. Guess whose money it is? Mine. Right. So and you're going to do what I said. And CM Punk has even said this. Like he, you know, he said in an interview, he said, he said, I might have creative input. Yes. But there's one guy that makes the final decision. And that's Tony Khan. If he says I'm losing to this guy, guess what? I'm losing to that guy. Right. Uh, speaking of CM Punk, he was up next with a promo segment. Um, Amazing. You know, I'm going to be honest, man. Um it was a CM Punk promo, which I'm not tired of by any means because I would watch one every week. But I, I wasn't a huge fan of it. And I don't know if it's just because I really didn't agree with the decision to open with this match because it's just like Punk said. How do you follow that? Like, I think the crowd was, like, tired because they popped so hard for that match and it was long. Um, I mean, they were he was still incredibly over. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they were singing the man's music. But... It, it just, it didn't really, I don't know. It didn't really do it to me. Uh, I, I feel like he is, I feel like what he was doing here was trying to pump up the match with Hobbs. And I don't think anyone cares that much. They care because CM Punk is there, but I don't know that anybody cares about it being Hobbs. Like I don't, I, I think the fact that they took him from this Darby match into this team Taz thing I think it's a complete waste to see him punk. I know that it's probably they probably are going to try to alternate it like a, a big dream match and then like having him work with like a a middle mid card kind of talent and then probably alternate that and I, I get it, but I would have I would have probably had him do a bunch of high profile things maybe back to back for like maybe two or three months when he came in and then start to do some of this stuff. I don't know. It just it feels like it's kind of. He beat Darby, and now they're pulling all the wind out of his sails. Is the is the way I feel about it? Uh, I, I mean, yeah, I, I, I guess I can see that. I don't know. I love the promo. Just because, I, I don't know. I I thought the crowd was still into it. I it wasn't def- a bad promo. CM Punk doesn't cut a bad promo. Oh, this is true. <laughs> so, um, you know, I I don't know. Uh, I'm still interested in seeing the match. I think there's a lot of upside to Hobbs. I think that he has a lot of potential and um, you know, CM Punk to me, I'm kind of expecting stuff like this from CM Punk for right now, because he stated in interviews that he wants to work with the young talent right now. 
Um, right. He obviously, he's going to be involved in high profile matches, but I think for right now, they're going to, they're going to put Brian Danielson more in that because with punk, we know that we've got him for a good while. You've, you've got Brian Danielson for a good while. Hey, in a cameo there. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, y- you've got punk for a while with Brian Danielson. Obviously they've got him for a while, but they don't know how long necessarily because he's not he's not going to be around for too too long yeah i mean that whole thing's interesting i or maybe i i don't know i don't know what his you know conditions are like health wise i mean he looked good in that match with omega he took some crazy bumps in that match i mean when he took that dragon suplex on the apron i mean obviously he knew what he was doing because he didn't land on his neck. He landed on his shoulders, and he, like, slid. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, it, the guy knows how to take a bump, but, you know, and, and I was very worried. I was Every time they did something like that, I was, like, you know, tensed up a little bit. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I, I'm definitely interested. I definitely don't want to see CM Punk doing this B-lister nonsense while uh, Brian Danielson fights uh, Kenny Omega for the title for six months. I don't want to see that shit. If you're going to take the title off of Omega, do it now. And I want to see Danielson and Punk. Um, but I don't think, I think that's a waste of the title. I don't think they need it. Um, that's just where I'm at right now. I think we, I, I also would love to see MJF move into a feud with Punk. Um, but we can speculate more on that in the future. Speaking of MJF, um, what do you think about this match with him and Pillman? I think that Brian Pillman Jr. still needs a lot of work. I agree with you. I've I and I've I've said that about him for a while, dude. Because um, if you look at a lot of his stuff with MLW, um, or, or you know before that, it's not very crisp yet. And I'm I'm not saying that he's bad or anything like that. I'm just saying he needs a lot more work. He needs to get a lot more aggressive with some of his punches. Some of his punches and forearms look like shit. Yeah. Um, also, there was one of the things I noticed. If you go back and watch that match, why are there so many arm wrenches? Like, it's like every time somebody was going to do anything, it's like, there's an arm wrench. And then it's like, but they just drop it. They either do an arm wrench and whip the guy, which, okay, fine. Like, that's that's a nice little flourish. But there was like, it felt like 70 arm wrenches. I know this is an exaggeration, but there were so many damn arm wrenches in this match. And several times it's like he would do the arm wrench. And then after he gets the arm wrench, he'd immediately drop the arm and like punch him or, or, you know, push him into the corner or chop him or something. I'm like, what are you doing? And then they, and then he would go right back and do another arm wrench. And it was so awkward for both MJF and Pillman. I, I don't know. this The match, um, it wasn't awful, but it just felt wonky. You know, it, it didn't yeah. flow real well. No, no, I, I agree completely. Um, and that's because I don't think there's much behind the feud. Right. It's just it's just a follow-up from last week, and hopefully this is it, and it's blown off now. Yeah, maybe. Um, you know, I, I, I really would like to see more from MJF. Um, right. And we'll see what happens with that. But um, 
Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um, but that was just something I took away, and and I've said that for a while. I like Pillman Jr. I'm rooting for him, but he needs a lot more work. Yeah. Um, okay, Cody Rhodes, Malachi Black. This was um, – I thought that this was great. I love it because I am such a huge fan of – Alistair Black, Malachi Black, Tommy in. I don't care what his name is. I fucking love that dude. <laughs> Me too. Um, and I thought that he absolutely looked like a star here. Yes. And it's so crazy that he was across from Cody, who I think at this point has completely lost the support of the fans. Um, and, th- and they're embracing that. that. The moment with Brandy where she got in the ring and flicked him off and was like, fuck you, which I thought was... You know, it was like, uh, you'll never see this on WWE. The no. crowd went nuts over it. I think they yeah. need to leave Arn Anderson in the back because the people aren't going to boo Arn Anderson under any no. circumstances. No, and can I play Booker here? Sure. Because this is how I would do it, all right? It's clear that Cody Rhodes needs to turn heel. He needs to do it, all right? The crowd is just not into him as a face. They're not buying it. And how can you? Okay. I've said this for, I, well, because I, I always say this about John Cena, right? You cannot be a baby face, not necessarily in his uh, instance with clothes or anything, but you can't be a baby face if you own more stuff that costs more than my house. Yeah. And, like, and it, and it's been said like that it's strange seeing the crowd, you know, booing a guy wearing all this color and cheering for this guy in all black with the paint. Well, yeah, but the guy who is in all black and everything, like he relates more to me because right. like, okay, Alistair, or Mal- Alistair, Malachi Black, you know, it, like I said, it's a guy who listens to deathcore and metalcore, you know, has tattoos and everything. I'm like, I dig that. I relate to that kind of thing. Cody, on the other hand, comes out here. He's got a $5,000 bracelet. He's wearing suits and everything like that. I'm like, that's the bad guy. That's the bad guy because he makes more money than me. Now, I'm not saying that that necessarily makes you a bad guy, but in wrestling sense, it does. Right. I mean, he went off to film a reality TV show. Yeah. You know, he he comes out there looking like fucking Evil Knievel now. Exactly. Uh, You know, it's just... it's. I agree. And here's how I would turn him, right? I would do this. He's already turned. Well, yeah, he is already turned, but I guess as far as storyline's sake, this is how I would do it, all right? I would have Malachi Black tease that he's going to hit Brandy. Just tease it. But then he pulls back one week, and he's like, "Mm, you know, no, I'm not. That kind of teases the audience. They're like, okay, well, maybe he has some good values to it. And then... I guess at a pay-per-view or one of the big dynamites, you have him versus Cody again, obviously. And he goes to do the black mass on Brandy or something like that, or she jumps in the way. And, you know, 
he pulls back and is like, I'm not going to go that route. But then she low blows him and Cody comes and, you know, hits him with the crossroads and pins him, beats him. Arn Anderson comes out and says, what was that? What, 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 what just happened here? And then he turns on Anderson. That would do it in a heartbeat, man. You're talking about it. You're talking about MJF level heat at that point. Yes. Uh, and and, and and that would be great because people look, are going to love Arn Anderson forever. That's just how it is. So I can't book wrestling. Hey, man, I, I like that. I love that angle. Um, That's how I would do it. That's how I would do it because here's the thing. I don't think you can keep Malachi Black a heel. There's no one that wants to boo him. He's not He's not a heel. I mean, he, he if it was booked that way, I couldn't tell. Yeah, everybody loved it. Everybody loved him and all his shit. He has been the heel, though. He's been doing the sneak attacks. He, you know, put his foot over Cody. Like those are heel moves, but people thought they were so badass. At least Cody and Brandy at this point have embraced it. They're not trying to do what WWE would do, which is have them go out there and do all this white meat baby face shit while they get booed. Exactly. And that's why I've said, you know, that's why the thing with Omega for me, I'm like, well, you know, it's good that you don't like him because you're not supposed to right now. Yeah, but Omega has go away heat with me, not boo you heat. All right. Well, I, uh, I get that, but you, um, you get the point. Like even the Bucks, they turned the Bucks heel. Because, you know, they were trying to be baby faces as well, and the crowds just wasn't buying it. They're like, no, this seems fake. Because they're little shits. And everybody knows they're little shits. And they're probably a complete pain in the ass to be around backstage. Um, so, yeah, they're making these smarmy, fucking hipstery heels, and they do great at it. Um, speaking of uh, tag teams, uh, FTR versus... Sting and Darby Allen. I was a kid again watching Nitro during this matchup. Sting on TNT, killing it at fucking fifty years old. <laughs> like he was, he was, he did great, 60, man. Or sixty, he did great. Like it was insane. Like how is this guy still this good? Right. I mean, he's sixty-two, dude. Literally, he comes out, and I I, lo- I I thought this was interesting at the beginning. Um, he comes out and gives those two really awesome scoop slams to FTR at the very beginning of the match, and Darby Allen goes on the apron. He's like, "Yeah, like he did it." Like, it was really funny uh, to me. But I I loved this match. I loved the psychology in it. Uh, FTR looked really good. Darby got his stuff in. The coffin drop on the fucking ring apron, man. Oh. That looked awful. And then and then he he bounced off and, and hit his head on the guardrail. Yeah, I, I, I saw that and I was like, oh my God. Like, dude, but that's Darby. Yeah, I know. He, he's real. He is. And I have nothing bad to say about this match. I mean, there, there might have been a couple of little botches here and there, but nothing they didn't recover from nothing that took me out of the match. Um, it was, it was just great. I really loved it. I, I if I come, if I got to complain about anything, 
I don't like whatever Sting was doing with the paint. Yeah, it, well, I, I didn't really notice it uh, either way, uh, I guess. I, I don't know. I, I didn't really notice it. But here's where, here's my only complaint about the show. This is where I would have flipped. I don't necessarily mind the world title being on first. I mean, I would have put it as the main event, but I get why they put it on first because they were going to have the time limit draw and they didn't want it to be obvious, I guess. Or maybe, I, I don't know. Um, I I, I, I kind of would have made that the main event. But if you were going to have that on first, then I would have made Malachi Black and Cody the main event and not the women's championship. <laughs> and that yeah. sounds bad. That sounds bad, but I'm not knocking... The ladies, it's just not necessarily this particular match was main event worthy. Yeah, man. So let's go ahead. We're, we're already running long. So let's talk about this because um, fucking A, man. Okay, look. You don't want to put Kenny Omega and, and Brian Anderson on last. I get that. You want to start the show hot. Uh, it's a risk I would have probably taken too. I can't, I'm not saying I would have done it that way. I'm saying that I would have considered it. Um, and I might've done it that way. Right. I don't fucking put this match on last man. This match was fucking terrible. This was the worst match on this card by a long shot. Hands down. Uh, Pillman jr. Might've needed a little bit of work, but he was in there with MJF. I, I'm going to hold up my giant. I told you so flag. Ruby Soho is only in the spot she was in because of where she came from. She was average in WWE, and she's average here. She is not a main inventor. She is not a women's champion. And honestly, man, this match made Britt Baker look like shit, too. Yeah, it didn't do either girl favor. Like, uh, you know, again, I, I, I don't mind the title opening up the show but i would have not had this as the main event like malachi and cody should have been the main event and and dude there were so many points in this match where the psychology just made no sense at all i mean it was like there was times okay not once but twice Britt baker comes and does a double stomp on the back of ruby soho's head and so ruby soho is now face down uh, seemingly near unconscious, but at no point in time does she go for the lockjaw. And she already had the glove on. So it's like she's laying there. It's like, why aren't you going for your finish? And and, and it was just like, it, it didn't make any sense to me why they would, number one, drag this match out, out as long as they did. And then number two, like, why this match is in this place to begin with because yeah anybody watching this dude i mean there it was none of it was smooth nothing in this match was smooth well i think the the idea you know is obviously to give the women the spotlight and i agree with you need to do that more often but not in this particular instance just because the two weren't ready for it but i get why they were trying it I, I do get why they were doing it. It's just, and, and you know what? 
this is probably one of those instances where, you know, Tony will look back at it and go, all right, well, that was a bad, you know, way of formatting the show. And, you know, a lot of the times he's pretty good at learning, you know, for at, of formatting the show, you know, he's, yeah. he's getting better and better at that. As, as we see sometimes though, you're going to make mistakes. And I just think this one was a mistake. I, I think that, I think that they should have switched this around with the Malachi Black and Cody match. I think that this should have been where Malachi and Cody was and Malachi and Cody should have been where they were. Or they could have had Thunder fucking Rosa win the Battle Royal instead. Okay, and, that, that too. and then this match would have been fucking incredible. Especially, okay. can you imagine? The fucking roof would have come off of that place for a title change. It wouldn't have happened. And I don't think it should happen. I really don't want to see, like, I think they built Britt Baker all through the pandemic because they knew they wanted the title change for her to happen in front of people. But, like, I mean, I, I just think that they're, I think they have better women on their roster than Ruby Soho. I think these two don't have any chemistry, really. Uh, I, I just, I and wasn't digging this at all. Brit, it was clear that Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa had chemistry, right? And they're both over. I don't, I don't. This this crowd was not digging Ruby Soho. No, they weren't. But Britt Baker was super over. Oh yeah, but here's my thing: if they really wanted Britt Baker to be a heel, then they would, then they should put Thunder Rosa against her because ain't nobody gonna cheer for Britt Baker if Thunder Rosa's in the ring, right? Exactly. In her in her own hometown, she would get a split reaction just because Thunder Rosa's over. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, th- th- that's just me. I don't know. I don't know what they're planning and everything like that. We're going to have to see. Obviously, though, um, they don't have that much faith in Ruby Soho either because, you know, this feud's basically over now. <laughs> God, I hope it is. I don't know. If if anything, I would have accepted Chris Statlander. Right. Because I like her. I like her. Um, I think she did a good job. Um, they, I mean, they have others. Um, I, they they have other people that can work. I just, it was. They don't have ten though. They don't have. I don't know that they even have six. Honestly, if some people are going to jump shit from WWE, I want to see more women come over. I want to see Sasha leave. I want to see Bailey leave. I want to see, um, I, I, I want to see uh, Bianca Belair leave. Well, Bianca I'll, Belair is not going to happen for a while, and then yeah. I want to see Tony Storm leave. Like, there's a bunch of people I want to see leave. Uh, because know, I didn't even realize Tony Storm was still on SmackDown. Well, right, because the only thing on SmackDown that's worth a fuck to WWE is go ahead and do it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and, and oh, Paul Heyman. Say this: I do love Paul Heyman in that Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns back and forth thing. That's it's great. I I want to be interested in face lumberjack fucking Brock Lesnar. <laughs> I think that I think that shit's fucking great. <laughs> uh, but I won't watch it because I just can't. I can't stomach it. I'll watch the highlights or whatever, yeah. but I, you know, yeah. but I, I know the end result is going to be dog shit. 
I know Roman's going to beat him, and it's going to look very fucking hokey and fake because they've had Brock Lesnar beat the bejesus out of him for like five, six years now. It's just, He's beaten him one time. It's it's garbage. Um, anyway, uh, this has been State of Wrestling, uh, September 2021. Uh, we are going to take a break, although that's not going to matter to you guys because these episodes probably go up at the same time. And then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about our bread and butter. We're going to talk about Dark Side of the Ring. Um, so if you are listening to this episode first, check that out. If you've already listened to that one, hey, guess what? We'll have some new stuff coming up for you uh, just next week because it's Dark Side of the Ring time, which is our favorite time of year, whenever it is. So, Absolutely. And if yeah. you thought we talked a lot about stuff on this episode, just wait till the plane ride from hell. Oh, man, all the, all the tea, all the tea on the plane ride from hell, which it sounds like there wasn't any actual tea on the plane. It was all liquor. Um, well, uh, Caleb, thanks for joining me again, man, Absolutely. as always. Um, I do want to give a, a quick shout out um, to the superhero homies. Um, I did talk on our previous episode about uh, our trip to Dragon Con that we did together. They actually have a review out of Dragon Con, and instead of making that uh, Patreon only, they've released it for free to the public, so um, everybody can access that. So you can hear all about our trip um, uh, on that episode, uh, some insider information on the boys, um, their discussions with like Chris Claremont and a bunch of other, uh, uh, John Romita Jr., a bunch of like really like legendary Marvel uh, writers and artists. Uh, and, and just a bunch of stuff. So definitely go check that out. Um, check out, of course, our Dark Side of the Ring review. And as far as the state of wrestling goes, this has been an Evolved Review.